This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. There's a, a lot of times where I've gone, oh yeah, I think this person might be autistic, and then it's like you, never occurred to me that that was because I was also autistic. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. I'm not brilliant. Um, in true me style, I've had a headache that's gone from crippling to um, like, like really spiky pains by my eyes. And I've had this for four weeks. And it's only now that I've suddenly thought, actually, that might not be a good thing and that I might need to sort something out. So, um, yeah, I've taken a COVID test and I am COVID negative, apparently, but I'm just going to have to rest a bit, I think. But other than that, the only way that it's really affecting me is that I talk nonsense. And since I do that anyway, that's fine. And you'll probably fit in pretty well here, actually, to be fair. Yeah, um, it's... it's... So, yeah. yeah, as it is, as it is. Um, so this kind of idea for this TV show, TV show? Oh, my God, talk about nonsense. This radio <laughs> came, came from me reading a book called Sovereign Bliss, which I've been kind of pushing on to you to read. Which yeah, I've just actually... I've just started that today oh excellent how have you found it so far um it's instantly i'm into it and instantly i mean when i say started i mean i've I've read about five pages uh before the headache got to the point where i went no um but it's um it's very much it has a vibe doesn't it it does have a vibe Mm -hmm. yeah about five pages i said said my partner she's autistic my partner beforehand was like, mm. right. yeah, I, I, I got that vibe immediately, and that was without you suggesting it. It was they're very much the vibe, and um, I, I assume that if if that's what has influenced this idea, that that's what you're running with the fact that so many of us run on vibes in the sense that we can seek each other out and we can. Although, um, and this is my perspective, this is what I seem to think that you're getting at, although we always say that we shouldn't armchair diagnose people and that we shouldn't, you know, interpret traits in a certain way, there is factually, and you can see it, the evidence is in the community, the evidence is in schools, the evidence is, um, has been looked at, but also then without evidence, anecdotally, you will hear most autistic people talking about the fact that they can sense traits, sense, uh, pick up on traits that they share with other people. Yeah, right, definitely. I mean, it's I assume something I've been, I've been aware of for a very long time before I even knew I was autistic. I was like, I was very good with teaching autistic kids and going, that child's autistic or that adult is autistic. Um, I never quite put it together until a few years ago and I was like 
you think I'm autistic? I said, father. And she goes, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, it's the vibe. It's all about the vibe. Which is the vibe. For me, yeah, for me, it was exactly the same thing, which was I was always really good with autistic kids at school. Um, I was always um, drawn more in, in my life outside to people who... Um, I suppose would be labelled at various points um, quirky or uh, quirky. a little bit neurology. Yes, um, uh, a little bit uh, sparky, you know, like that. Sorry, non quirky. Yes, very much. Um, like there's all of that sort of thing. I'd be drawn to people like that, and those were my people. And we've talked about this before about the whole thing of um, subcultures and how so many like smaller subcultures have people that are drawn to them that feel a little bit different or outsiders in some way um there's a, a lot of times where i've gone oh yeah i think this person might be autistic and then it's n like you never occurred to me that that was because i was also autistic why do you think why do you think that we we'll have it I've had this conversation with Tabitha McIntosh before, actually, um, which I think it's come like almost like a weapon. I refer to it as a kind of weaponized ability to just see people like yourself, but maybe it's, it's no, maybe that's the wrong thing. Maybe you're so used to seeing people not like yourself and getting all the information from people not like yourself that then you come across someone who is like you and they're not giving off the same information that other people give off. That sounds terrible. That doesn't make sense, but it makes sense in my head. I think I think I understand it. Like normal people give off massive information and then and it's quite intense. And then you kind of intense, intense, ooh, calm space here. Intense, intense, intense. It's almost like that. It's almost like a negativity. It's almost like a negative vibe. Mm -hmm. Like the predator. Yeah. <laughs> I really I've got I've got a theory that it's pretty much linking into what, what you you say. I think it's I think it's learned rather than innate and I think it's safety and yeah. I, I think there's a there's a sense of um I don't know how this person's going to react I don't know how this person's going to react I don't know how this person this person seems predictable and to everyone else there is nothing predictable but to me it's like oh, I know how you're going to react to this it makes sense. This is fine. And even if I didn't predict the reaction that I'm going to get, I understand where it's come from. So this is fine. Um, yeah. And that provides it. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no I was going to say, like, almost like the same kind of, is you can always see the same decision tree they have. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I think when it comes to going back to what you were saying about the, um, like representation, when you do see that, and you get a character where you go, yeah, this this makes perfect sense. Or this is sensible. Yes. Or this is something that I would also do. You do kind of, it, it's very much that um, Leonardo DiCaprio meme where you're just pointing, going, yes, yes, that's me. Yes. Yeah, like that. Um, so we've got to press, I'm going to press the button now for news, mm -hmm. news bit, um, at least something down this cold cup of tea I made next to myself as I panicked as I try and like get everything together in a kind of chaotic way 
and then we're going to discuss. Do you want to discuss um, Elizabeth Oliphant and the Oliphant? What's the book yeah. again? It's Ellen um, Eleanor Oliphant. Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Which rather helpfully, I've yeah. completely forgotten the name of the author. Okay. I had this, I had I this all in my head. Yeah, I had this all in my head about twenty minutes ago. But of course, that was twenty minutes ago. Yeah, I had it all in my head as well twenty minutes ago, and then daughter number two basically came in right crying like tears of absolute anguish because her favourite toy, oh, Sally, who was a slug. Yeah, basically she kept in a special box, like sealed away, so no one could touch it and damage it. Um. And it kind of like decomposed a little bit. Oh no, life has got in the way because you can't. Yeah. yeah, you can't protect from bacteria and you know decay. Yeah. Oh no, and it was very like like heartache and trauma. So, oh, yeah. oh, that's yeah. so sad. Anyway, so we'll check in as well. Actually, so, yes. That note there, I'm gonna press play and hopefully the news will happen. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development Every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. If you have a passion for education and a talent for teaching and learning, the Witherslack Group want to hear from you. Join them as they open an incredible new school in Essex and be a founding teacher of English, Maths, Science or Primary with multiple leadership opportunities available too. As Teachers Talk Radio partners, we know how much they care about the well-being of staff and their offer to you will be superb. To find out more and apply for a role, visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The Daily Mirror runs a story on school places with headlines claiming that in some areas where schools are oversubscribed, nearly nine out of ten parents do not get a place for their child at their first choice secondary school. The article names specific schools in Wolverhampton and Lambeth as the hardest secondary schools to get into, with the primary from Liverpool named as the most difficult to get into. As children return to school for the new academic year, applications for those set to start primary or secondary in September 2023 are set to open soon. The deadline for secondary places is October 31st and January the 15th next year for primary. 
According to figures published in the article, 83% of applicants got their first choice of secondary school for September 2022, a small increase on the 2021 figure of 81%. The proportion of primary school applicants who received their first choice remained at 92%. A full list of England's most oversubscribed schools is published on the Daily Mirror website. In Scotland, council workers due to go out on strike next week have suspended their action after unions received a new pay offer from local authority leaders. The Unison, Unite and GMB unions agreed to suspend strikes in education and in waste services. The Unison, Unite and GMB unions agreed to suspend strikes in education and in waste services. The high-profile waste worker strike has seen rubbish build up in city centres. But action was also set to affect schools and early years provision as members of Unison were set to walk out. Aberdeen Live also reports on possible strike action by Scottish teachers after what unions describe as an insulting pay offer. The 5% pay increase was rejected by the Educational Institute of Scotland's Executive Committee and they have opened a ballot for members concerning industrial action. Members of the union have until the 16th of September to vote on the action. Following the return to school for the new academic year, Eastern Eye reports on advice to schools around school attendance. The advice recommends close partnership work with councils, targeted family support and home visits to address barriers to attendance. These form part of a package of new approaches to ensure that more children are in school every day. The Department for Education is also launching a three-year one-to-one attendance monitoring pilot aimed at tackling the factors behind non-attendance such as bullying and mental health issues. The scheme will be launched in Middlesbrough this year before expanding to other areas next year. A new attendance data visualisation tool is also expected later in September. In some countries on the continent of Africa, a significant barrier to school attendance comes as a result of pregnancy in adolescent girls, according to Human Rights Watch. The organisation says that whilst many countries now have laws and policies in place to protect girls' education, there are still shortcomings with at least 10 African Union member countries still having no laws related to protecting the retention of students who are pregnant or are adolescent mothers. More on this story can be found on the Human Rights Watch website. In Wales, mandatory sex education lessons will go ahead in the new school term as the High Court rules in favour of the plan. A group of five parents lost their legal challenge to block the lessons in a hearing on the 31st of August. The group wanted to withdraw their children from the mandatory lessons or stop the rollout of relationships and sexual education altogether. The parents had already been granted a judicial review to be heard in November. RSE is part of the statutory new curriculum in Wales, although half of secondary schools are delaying the new curriculum until 2023. This is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I complete my series on home connection and getting the best performance. The topic today is why is my upload speed lower than my download speed? In previous episodes, we've discussed bandwidth and the more devices, the more demand, but internet service providers only tend to advertise their download speed. Why is this? Well, because it's higher. Let's take a trip back to the beginning of the internet for general public use. If you're old enough to remember dial-up and what we used to use the internet for pre-2006 when we were introduced to the Facebook boom, the internet was more like a library. You go, search for a book or a web page, 
Use the book for your research, then return it. Traffic or knowledge is mostly one way, downloading to you. The only real use for uploading for the day-to-day -day user of the internet was to request a web page, a very small amount of data, and to send the odd email. Most things we did were all based on downloading. This is called an asymmetric connection. Downloading is given more bandwidth, as it's the most used. This to date is still the fact. Most people download more than they upload. With data transmission being restricted by the size of transmission media being used, it makes sense for there to be more bandwidth dedicated to downloading than to uploading. Uploading has become increasingly more important for people since the development of apps like Facebook. Although developed in 2004, in 2006, due to increasingly better phone technology and the trend of documenting your life and posting it for others to see, the speed that you can upload has become more important. However, if a video or image takes a while to upload, we can do something else. If what you're watching stops, it's the end of the world. If this has given you food for thought, I'd love to hear from you. As we return to work, why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022, follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech for the new academic year. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. We're back. Okay, that's it. I have managed to uh, go on your message. Awesome, like the show. We are back. I have managed to like actually make things work properly. I'm quite impressed with this one. This has actually gone quite well after my earlier like complete disaster. So, and I managed to find my script as well, which is actually another bonus. So, while Georgia uh, gets back in, um, we've been we're talking about autistic representation in the media, in particular like books, but also TV shows. Uh, at some point, we'll talk about how much I hate the Big Bang Theory. Because people always, because that's about people laughing at us, not laughing with us. Oh, I hate that TV show so much. Um, going to talk about Granny Weatherwax, Tiffany Aitman, the patrician, maybe Carrot, maybe Dorf, a lot of different characters from Pratchett, actually. Um, going to talk about Derek Kungston's Econ. Um, is Georgia back? Do you want to talk about her now? Um, I can. Um, it's it's a bit of a rambly one because it was about. I read that book about four years ago. Um, and for those of you that don't know, I don't really want to go deep into the whole spoiler thing, but the, the book is basically about this main character, Eleanor Oliphant, and it's from her point of view, and it's her life, a day-to-day -day life, and there is this underlying thing. There is something that we don't know that is hinted at and hinted at as, as maybe a reason for her behaviour and the way that she's finding the world at that time. Now, I can, without spoilers, I can categorically say that it's not that she's autistic. It's not like a diagnosis or anything. There is, the entire book is leading up to this idea that there is something that we don't know. Um, she's largely presented as an unreliable narrator, but she is, when I read it, I immediately did the pointing and going, she's like me. And at the time, it was when I was just coming to towards the idea that I actually was autistic, or at least starting to open to the idea that I might be, um, or even have the, the thought, hang on, am I? Um, which had, had been based around the idea that my son was being investigated and I'd had the conversation that almost every parent of an autistic child has 
which is, but he's just like me when I was that age. Mm. And then had it, you know, that, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so seeing this character and having this character that behaved in ways that even if I wasn't currently behaving that way, I had behaved at periods of stress or used as, um, or methods that I'd used as a way of um, coping with stress or with like turbulent parts of my life. Um, she works in a job where it's not particularly taxing. Um, she is, she knows exactly what is expected of her. She goes in and keeps a, she's cordial, or at least she thinks she's being cordial um, to our colleagues, but quite frankly, isn't. And it's, it's presented in this really warm, gentle, kind way, because at no point is the writer going, let's all take the mick out of her, let's point and laugh. It's very much, this is how she is, and this is how she sees other people. And these are the good parts and these are the bad parts. And the the reader is definitely encouraged to root for this character and like this character. And there are times where you go, oh, no. And, oh, yeah, exactly. And but the thing for me was, it was things like her routines. So the fact that she quite happily eat the same meal at the same time every day, which is something that a lot of us do. I have had that habit too. Sometimes it can go on for years. Sometimes it can go on for months. Um, sometimes it can be every meal. Um, but it's a it's a safety thing. And she doesn't see any reason to change that or why anybody would want to. Um, she uh, has, again, as I've said before, this difficulty communicating. Um, she tends to feel that everyone around her is unfathomable or dangerous in some way. Um, she self-medicates with um, vodka, but not in the sense of getting blind drunk and going out. She goes home in a routine. She goes to work. She comes home. She eats the same meals. She drinks. And it's the same drink. And uh, I think it's another thing that we don't really talk about, which is that so many of us do self-medicate and do have end up with addictions as a way of coping or, or with unhealthy or or you know difficult situations because of it and some of us can't see why that would be an issue and you know it, it is perfectly reasonable at times you are led to believe that this character is a, a functioning alcoholic um but again her behavior doesn't read like that of alcoholism um it reads like traits that we have. And what's interesting about it is that it's really positive in the sense that it doesn't sound it the way I've described it, but it's really positive in the sense that, like I say, it is gentle and kind and the read the reader is encouraged to side with her. 
Um, and at no point is she pathologized in the way of going, there is something wrong with whether well, well, there is, and there isn't an issue, but there's nothing like your behavior is wrong. It's just presented as this is her behavior. We don't know why she's like this. Now, what really was strange and I found difficult and I wanted to talk about in relation to it was that the writer explicitly has said that Eleanor Oliphant is not autistic and that her behaviours are the result of um, trauma. Mm. And I think this is a kind of death of the author kind of situation um, in the sense that it doesn't really matter what the author actually intended here. What she came out with is an autistic character. Um, There's lots of debate about neurodivergence and the effect of childhood trauma, whether it's a trigger, whether it's um, just a a byproduct of of us being as we are. Um, But, and, and yes, trauma can have and does have very, very strong and awful um, impacts. And yes, some behaviours do overlap, they do. But when, yeah, but I think what she's inadvertently done is in researching trauma and in writing this character who has been deeply traumatised, she's accidentally written an autistic character um, and I think that's something that can, can be argued because so much of us carry around huge levels of trauma at all times. Um, autistic burnout is a result of trauma, um, an ongoing trauma of just the fact that the world is not designed for us. Um, and there are deeply, deeply traumatic things that happen all the time. Um, and and things that don't seem traumatic to other people, like for example, your daughter is upset. Your, your daughter is upset about a toy, but she's not upset about a toy. She's upset about decay and death and the existential kind of like fact that, like yeah. yeah, things don't stay the same. And yeah. if you try to explain that to somebody else, it sounds, over the top and but it's not because that's that is what it is my son had a meltdown recently um about uh how hot he was and it on a i mean sensory meltdowns are are common but it wasn't a sensory meltdown this time it was because he had such a fear of a lack of control because he couldn't make himself cooler and he was frightened about this lack of control and you know because you understand the shorthand and I know because I understand the shorthand but if you try to explain that to other people they kind of go what what and I think that's where that's where I could read that character so um so well as being like me because some of the behaviors although you can attribute to them to trauma the reason for them is different. It's not a case of I've hurt myself and I, therefore I act like this. It's the it's the existential trauma underneath. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think 
talking about like kind of like understanding why someone's having a meltdown, it just occurred to me that like when people who are like who are so when people who are neurologically typical see someone having a meltdown, they're coming from it from their decision tree, which is like I wouldn't become upset by this. Like it's just not within their their options. Mm-hmm. So it, it becomes irrational. Yeah. Whereas, Whereas for somebody who is autistic with our decision tree and our understanding of it, it it's entirely irrational mm. to the point where when I have to explain a meltdown that my sons, for me, I, I can, you know, advocate and I can step back and I can explain things and I, I rationalise them. I've got that insulation. I'm an adult. It's still hard, but it's there. But for my son, when, when I'm advocating, my reaction can be that I just get very angry. I'm not angry at him, but angry at someone else because it just seems utterly ridiculous that they don't understand the reason. Yeah. It's so obvious. Yeah. It's, that, it's the, the double empathy problem, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Which is it's, that... it... Go ahead. No, no, no. It, it's that, it is exactly the double empathy thing where you end up standing there going, how can you not see this? This is so obvious. This, Of course this is happening. And they're going, what? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, to you it doesn't. Um, it's interesting to talk about the world not being made for us. And it's like, I think some, I think, you know, one of the things I say to autistic kids is, look, 10,000 years ago, autism is a survival trait. 10,000 years ago, the world was for us. Lots of things we do are really helpful, you know, in a Stone Age society. It's just now that we've got, like, the world as it is now, it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, maybe that's why a lot of autistic people find it good to just go into nature and just zen out in nature, away from, like, the world. Yeah, I I really like... I like the world at a distance, just like I like people. They're great. I can, I can, I can visit. Um, but then I'd like to leave. Mm. And it's just having to leave, isn't it? Yeah, it's having the option. If you've got the option to leave, and you know that you've got the the you know ability to, it's it's wonderful. And going back to that book, that's what that character is doing right the way through. The character is checking out of um, situations and sometimes too much. Um, So sometimes cutting off completely, but it is that it's, it's that I I'm happy here. There is nothing wrong with, with how I am. I'm over here. Um, I, I know that quite a lot of autistic women, have seen themselves in this character and it's um it's interesting i also wanted to very quickly say another one before you talk about yours but i'm also reading um uh, another book again this is a thing where i read about five or six books at once why yeah i've got three on the go yeah it i can't i can't stick with one um I'm reading, um, oh, I can't remember the exact title, uh, Drive Your Plough Over the Bones of the Dead. Right. Um, it's a Polish novel that was translated into English and it's wonderful. 
Um, it's a, a bit noir. It's about a Ole. woman in it. Sorry. Ole. Yes. Olga. Toka. Toka. Olga. You are a braver person than I am because I couldn't even attempt it. Um, but it's a wonderful book. It's um, very much noir. There's an element of mystery about it. It's about a woman in her 60s um, in a Polish village that's very close to the Czech Republic who um, is very isolated and makes up names that are more appropriate to her for all of her neighbours. So she calls she calls one of them oddball and Bigfoot. But it's it's not as an insult. It's just that is the appropriate name for that person. Yeah. She spends her nights in yeah, she spends her nights entirely alone, um, but very, very happy, um, obsessively reading about uh the stars and the planets and astrology and lives her life almost entirely by that and i haven't finished it but i have read to say it to go is this is this character explicitly autistic and the character is meant to be built as a um as a uh what is the word why why are words so difficult at times you know when you lose a, a word completely um especially when you're sick ah it's it's, it's awful um She's meant to be just a bit different, a bit, you know, quirky, a bit. What is that word when somebody's, uh, usually when they're rich and um, because they eccentric. Thank you. She's meant to be um, this eccentric kind of middle-aged, isolated woman. Um, and instead I was thinking, well, yeah, she would be red, red, red like that because she's in her 60s. But um, this is very much me. Um that she empathizes massively with animals over people <laughs> because she understands their meaning and their their ideas she spends a lot of time thinking about death and decay and, and the um the circle that the, the energy that it creates and i was thinking this is like a me looking into my future here she she laughs at her own jokes that she makes about people and she goes off into huge tangents. Um, she goes on these huge tangents that are um, ranting and, and then skips on to another. And if that character, again, I know that I accept that she probably hasn't explicitly done that, but I think this is a representation that we don't see because people don't read, especially women, but they don't read older women as possibly being autistic yeah it is that, kind you're of right. like that window that way you're allowed to be autistic mm -hmm. you mean when you're a male when you're a male and you're under 14 mm -hmm. yes <laughs> yeah. segways segs how do we say that word it was a word i've read in my head like segways, i think yeah yeah segues neatly into um, Neurotribes, which is another book I read on holidays by mm -hmm. Steve Silverman. Yes. Um, have you finished reading that one yet? I still haven't finished reading it. I keep going back to it and reading a little bit and then stepping away and then going back and reading a little bit because I find it 
traumatic, not traumatic. Yeah, it's it's at times it's frustrating to the point where it's it's traumatic, um, and it's not because his views are frustrating. It's just what he's pointing out. It's yeah. very triggering. Yeah, I mean, and some of the stuff, like oh god, some of the things he talks about, some of the, some of the events that have happened to individuals mm-hmm. who in the past weren't diagnosed as autistic but clearly were it's just mm-hmm. you know hideous you know um yeah so yeah i remember reading that at one point i just i just had to put it down because it's talking about like like events in nazi germany i was just like yeah it's the it's the i think i think that's another thing as well is that as 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 a community is built uh, with autistic people and I mean, there is one, but as it grows and, and develops and obviously online is, is um, online forums and um, things have, have meant that we've all been able to find each other in a, in a way that we previously couldn't um, and communicate in a way that's probably best for us. Um, as the as the community kind of builds and grows and um, we are all collectively kind of finding out our histories and sharing our histories and sharing our experiences it's um it's very upsetting um because well i mean yeah that it's a lot the the entire thing about aspergers and um um well hans asperger and the the level of dehumanizing kind of treatment it, it's hard not to internalize that as so do you all just think this about me mm. which of course at, at times that wasn't of course it wasn't true for everyone as well because there are some people who have had excellent amazing lives and it's been absolutely fine and it's been a it's been a positive thing but yeah it's it's a lot yeah i do recommend it as a as a book to read though from a history point of view and just looking at you know the the idea of autism and mm-hmm. how it has grown from being a you know these particular kids with a version of schizophrenia uh yeah never be independent to what it is now and along the way you have the whole kind of like uh aba movement and i've read about that and i was like oh my god they're mm-hmm. literally starving these kids to get yeah. them to conform to, you know, in, in a way that we would not expect people to conform now. Oh, well, I have very firm, firm beliefs when it comes to ABA and ABA, it, for those of you who aren't aware of it, or, and a lot of people may not agree with me, but whatever. Um, <laughs> it, for me, ABA is conversion therapy. It's the same thing. The techniques are the same. Um, and it should be banned and I don't I can't feasibly see any situation in which that can be positive um, I know that some and I'll accept that that some autistic people who have had ABA do think that the, it has um, given them the abilities to do things that they couldn't previously do I 
wouldn't want to argue against their lived experience. But I think the risk there would be far too great for the damage it does to the vast majority. Right. And it's it, whenever I read about that, I always think there is no way that my child would, I could ever, ever put my child through that. And that there are a lot of parents who just do not know what they are because they think it's a, if, especially with therapy, um, if it's a legitimized therapy, you trust doctors, don't you? And you trust. Yeah. Um, and yeah, in fact, neurotribes goes a bit into the whole kind of like how many like snake oil salesmen have attached themselves to autism. Yes. These, these desperate parents. Um, so ABA stands for applied behavior analysis. Um, and it's a therapy, he said, doing quote marks with his fingers, um, applied to help autistic children develop skills to cope again in like speech marks with you know normal situations again speech marks um you talked about like how some people it helps us i look you know, when i was reading about the aba i was really reflecting upon the quite severe bullying i had as a child because i was like yeah socially unconforming i was just i was just really quite autistic actually um and the pressures that bullying put upon me changed my behaviour. Um, yeah, mine too. You know, was I a happy person because of it? No. Did I end up having an eating disorder and all sorts of problems? Yes. Did I, you know, I mean, the person I am now and the person I was like 30 years ago are just very, very different because of that period of time in secondary school where effectively my behavior is adjusted because of external pressures that were really quite punishing for me mm -hmm. as kids um and it was damaging um and myself and my partner do talk about well you know daughter two who is like mini me but she's going to grow up and she's not going to have that and what will she be certainly more well rounded than me um but just you know she will be happier in a very cool way. That's what we really yes. want for her. Um, Same. Have you read anything by Philippa Perry? No, who's she? I probably um, she's a psychologist, I believe. And um, she's also the wife of Grayson Perry. Oh, um, and she wrote a book. The title of which is escaping me, but it's something like the the book that you gonna that you will wish your parents had read. The book you wish your parents had read. Yes. Yes. That's it. And in that book, there is a huge section about um how like addressing and stepping back and thinking about why you are reacting um to things with your children. So when you're telling your child off, yeah. what is it that you're actually that you are reacting to? Are you telling them off because of the behavior that's scary? Is something dangerous? Are you telling them off for something else? And really like question it. And she's, she, her basic theory is that you are reacting to yourself as a child. Um, and yeah, I get into a feedback loop. Yeah. And, and my partner is able to just kind of step in and just move us apart. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I realized that I was doing that. There were times where, and it's really hard to kind of 
um, step back and, and appreciate that you are not particularly being a good parent at that point. Mm. Um, because I was, excuse my dog barking there. I was, no, um, I, I was uh, reacting to things that my son was doing and then reacting from a place of fear and really getting quite upset about them and going, don't do that, don't do that, you know, we can't do this and trying to explain it and then realising that, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to deal with my dog, that I actually didn't know why I was telling him to stop doing the thing because there was no harm in what he was doing. And Yeah, I did that as well. With mm -hmm. Where it's like, it's almost like I'm doing it because I don't want to have getting bullied for it at school. Exactly. And that's exactly what I was doing. I was, and, and then stepping back and having to, to place the fact that I had effectively taken the place of the bullies in this situation mm. was really difficult. But that book was incredible for me because it made me go, oh, right, okay. And the, the being able to like forgive um, like little Georgia for a lot of things because it was just, it was how I was taught to behave and that's not through my parents that's through school yeah um yeah I think for me getting my ASD diagnosis was really the most freeing bit of it was you know what a lot of the things I did as a kid that's not my fault that's not my fault a lot of mistakes made in my my 20s that's not my fault that's just how I am you know and it was mm -hmm. like and I've had a conversation with another person I know who's looking to get diagnosis and it was that phrase that's not my fault um it's not my fault I think you know you can burst into tears about it because it is it's almost freeing to know whilst many things are in control sometimes it's just how you are and how mm -hmm. it doesn't quite fit around you and I think going back to what we're talking about that massively is a huge um like it's why representation is so important mm. and it's why representation has to be good and by good representation i don't mean it all has to be positive and you know autism is a superpower um and all of that sort of nonsense it has to be honest and real and ideally including us um so if it's not written by us then include us um moving away from books i think there the instant thing as soon as i said that was thinking about music the um the fear film and the controversy surrounding that yes do you want to talk about that a bit um i looked at it and i was just like oh my god it looks so irritating i just don't want to get too involved in that one yeah, I, I think we'll just skirt over it a little bit, but just to answer it. I mean, that was a huge moment because uh, it was traumatic for so many people um, because it tapped in to something that is a trait that is found in so many of us, which is the inability to let something go when we aren't being listened to and the frustration and fear and and how scary it is to not be listened to. And to have something so blatant be there and then be told by and effectively what it was was that um, music was a film that the singer Sia made um, which she professed was a love letter towards the autistic community 
um but it was <laughs> it was very very problematic it um she cast a non-autistic um actor um she said some very very problematic things about why that had been happening which basically attested to the fact that um it was unpleasant for other people to deal with an autistic actor um i'm paraphrasing there that wasn't exactly what she said but um the the implication was that um an autistic actor couldn't cope so that we were incompetent in some way um that the character was non-verbal and that non-verbal people wouldn't be able to communicate in that which in, in that way which is a nonsense because lots of non-verbal autists are are able to communicate in various ways um and it was it was messy from start to finish the actual film itself once people saw it um was a sensory nightmare so people who actually were autistic and wanting to watch it were finding it very very difficult because of the the editing and the colors and the um the way that music was used it had highly triggering um uh films bits that that, that would to do with restraint of autistic people and held in a kind of positive or just as it is kind of light and because all of that evidence was there and autistic people were going this isn't right to have a huge huge fan base come back and say it was abusive it was abusive the way that it was reacted and she did not help that and in fact at times i would believe that she stalked that online and it was horrible and it does that representation does damage it, it damages how we are perceived yeah and it is that kind of which ties into like um have you ever watched big bang theory oh i hate it i hate it so much it's like it's it's i watched that approximately four minutes once of one episode and it is these caricatures of autism who and it's about laughing at them it's not about laughing with them yeah say abbott from community you laugh with him it's it's, it's very much you know he yeah he's in on it and he knows and there's times where where they break that down in community and abbott will um communicate things and you'll find out that actually he he's very aware of how he's perceived he just refuses to be anything other than himself i actually have a theory about community which is i, I believe that troy is also autistic oh i like that theory um masked until he met um Abbott. like heavily masked and because one of the things that he focuses on so um so much is sport and because of the social acceptance of sport I think that it just, to me, it just seemed that their friendship immediately, it was like for like. Yes. Um, and to me that immediately, and as the series went on, bits of himself came out and it was just like, yep. <laughs> so that that's my theory that uh, Troy and Abbott are, uh, and even down to Troy and Abbott in the morning and all of that sort of stuff, that's something that I do. <laughs> and, <laughs> It was very much that. Going back to the Big Bang Theory, though, I will admit that I've watched almost all of it. Um, 
Sorry? Why would you do that to yourself? Well, I didn't know that I was autistic for a start. Um, but I watched it because everyone watched it. And there were some jokes that were funny. But then I, I kind of go, that's really uncomfortable. And I couldn't, I couldn't tell why yeah. I was uncomfortable with certain jokes. It just made me feel uncomfortable. And then I kind of internalised it as, well, it's nerd culture. And that was the thing that I kind of like stepped into, which was it's nerd culture and it's kind of using it and mocking it for entertainment for others. And then as I kind of like pulled that apart, I started thinking it's not nerd culture, it's autism. Um, because it's not funny because they're nerds. It's fun. It's, it's, well, it's not funny anyway, but it's not funny because they're nerds. It's funny because they don't understand the world that they're, that they're living in or they can't um, manage it. And they have to have this guide, this, this like magical angel oracle who, who interprets the world for them because she's normal. Normal, quote unquote normal, yeah. Yes. And it's deeply, deeply, deeply offensive when you watch it through that. And it's infantilizing. Mm. Very much. And it's just like, oh my God. Um, And there's things that, there's things, the thing is, is the other thing is, is that Sheldon, because really, I mean, all of them, all of the, the, um, the, the main characters, the, the four main guy characters in the, in the um, show, show traits. Yeah. Um, but Sheldon, it's more overt. It's very, it's, it's, it's explicit. And it's a caricature, as you say. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's not kind. No. And although people find them funny, you are not meant to like Sheldon. It's meant to be like this abrasive social misfit, and it is Mm -hmm. misfit, you know. It is, you know, and it it it. I find it really upsetting because it taps into all of the things that I worry about myself and that I fear. People see me as the idea of being deeply unlikable because of the way that I am, Mm. and it's it's horrible. Because the thing is, is that the, the, there's jokes about the fact that where he sits and why, why, how he reacts that way. And the, the fact is, is that if, some, if somebody needs to sit in, a, in our house, there is at least two of us that need to sit in certain places. And it isn't a selfish thing. It's a, I cannot, I cannot cope if I'm not sat here. This is where I need to sit. And... It's a, everything, everything that is basically like a need, like a, a sensory need or a, like some sort of need that's related to his autism is mocked and it, like you say, infantilized. It's, he's made to look like a, like a petulant child all the time. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I, I just literally watched four minutes of it years ago when I was channel four and I was like, I can't watch this. It actually pained me to watch it. Mm. That was a long time ago. Oh, I also think Annie Edison from Community is autistic. Sorry? You know Annie from Community? Oh, yes, very much so. Yeah, like totally. Like, like yeah. Annie is, um, to be honest, like, 
the, the one that when you when you read discourse and things online um a lot of people talk about it in terms of i've, I've read people talking about it in terms of brita mm. and i'm like no no, no. definitely not absolutely not jeff and brita are definitely not and um oh, i can't remember her name the the lady who has her own business and and then comes back to i can't remember what's her name again Shirley. Shirley, that's it thank you they aren't but yeah annie that um i can't think of a better way to say it but in terms of um you know the tight control and the repression that she has and the misunderstanding like the naivety yes. um how she but something she's entirely not naive over and understands <coughs> immediately yeah mm -hmm. um and the the sense of uh things not being fair mm. and that she can she can correct it and she can make it right and um, but every time she tries that it goes wrong because she doesn't really understand what's gone wrong in the first place yeah. that's uh, you're right i absolutely absolutely agree with it yeah it's the whole thing is just i mean obviously dan Harmon himself is autistic um i gathered i didn't i haven't read about it but i just assumed yeah, well, apparently, because I was, again, you know, I was looking into it, because he was writing Avid as basically being autistic, and then he was writing Avid as being autistic, and then he was like, he's really similar to me. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, do you know that that's happened recently with um, a show that's on Netflix um, called Dead End, Paranormal, Paranormal Park? Talk about Dead End. I was about to talk about Dead End. And really? Uh, yes, oh. and inside job. Um, oh, all of them. Right, go ahead then. You talk about dead end. Oh, it's a dead end. So you, you watched dead end. Yeah, uh, yeah. We we are obsessed. We've got the graphic novels as well. The dead, oh, they're out. Do. Yes. Um, they're out of print. The dead end year ones are out of print, but they're going to be reprinted, I think. And the book three is going to come out. Oh, amazing! Yes, I, I want to get those. So dead end is about a um, two people, like kind of I guess high school kids, like about to leave high school. Uh, who'd go to get a job in a theme park in some kind of strange town in America? It's kind of, uh, and effectively, one of the, one of the characters is present. Well, one of the characters is trans. The other one is presented as quite. She presented all the way through as being quite autistic, but it never comes out as that she is autistic. Although then I was like two episodes in, and I'm like she's autistic. Um, and then when I read up about the, the uh, um, creator online. And he's autistic. I was like, oh, okay, there you go. Um, but yeah, they go kind of work in this theme park that's haunted and it's got demons in it and all sorts of craziness. Um, and it's like a really gentle, warmer version of Rick it's and Morty. So soothing. So soothing. I just mm -hmm. watched the entire thing in like a weekend. I was just like, oh, this is so nice. Like everything about it is just so soothing. I can't mm -hmm. take it away. It's the, the shapes, the way that it's animated, yes. the shapes. Yes. Yeah. the um the colors that are used um the the even the voice the, the voice acting is so gentle and again this is about representation they've deliberately gone out and um tr wherever possible they've tried to employ um trans actors they've they've employed um i do believe they've employed autistic people on the show yeah. and it, it it shows but exactly like you say hamish Steele, the creator um is a 
absolute like example of, of, of what we're talking about in the sense that wrote Dead Endia created these characters for um shorts um for a few short animations and then wrote the wrote the graphic novels. Um but in creating Norma, the I, I believe that's that it's Norma, isn't it, the autistic character. Yeah, and creating this character um started realizing how much of his own character was there yes. and kind of went oh hang on i'm autistic and is in fact autistic and and it's it's interesting there that you get that but the link between that and rick and morty that's exactly and it doesn't make sense to most people when you say that but it's there yes because okay. it's none of the storylines actually are the narrative is is not normal yes um the sci-fi because there's a huge element of the supernatural is is effectively sci-fi in it um and all of that is just so well this is just how it is and you're going to have to deal with it as the as the audience Mm. and it's very it's structured in a way that's very much like yes i understand this completely and it's fine and it's just this is how the world is mm-hmm. this is it just we don't have to give you any sort of information about why it just is yeah. deal with it yeah Bam. Like and it. that's exactly how rick and morty is yeah and rick and morty is more kind of like slightly more kind of in your face and more aggressive and what happens and quite at times nihilistic nihilistic yes mm-hmm. uh, whereas dead endia is far more like it's gentle and it's so mm-hmm. helpful. And the underlying thing is just if people are just good to one another, then good things happen. It's a better message. Whereas... I think um did you see online that um someone had had taken a, a small section of the of Norma's character and posted it and said that I have never related as strongly to a character in all my life and was basically dragged down by people who are saying this is not my experience of autism this is not and that kind of i think i think we all kind of at times because obviously we're talking about how you can spot trace and you go you're like me but we're not a monolith we're all that goes back to that idea of you know um that whole idea of when you meet an autistic person you've met one autistic person and although we have a number of traits and there are a lot of things that we understand and the double empathy thing you're not going to be represented by every single character because ultimately we're human beings we're entirely different hmm. i don't i don't i don't, I don't see that i said i tend I've, I've kind of like my online presence is increasingly just like i want positive things uh, yeah around us i want positive things um, i'm trying to ignore nasty things now but the discourse happens yeah, it does. And you get dragged in, it's just like, oh. Yeah. But yeah. But Rick and Morty, again, is like a real kind of like, again, Dan Harmon. Um, and it never comes out, but clearly Rick does occasionally make reference to being, you know, having Asperger's. Uh, and there's also references to Morty uh, being autistic as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a quick asides. Um, now, and... I have never felt like, I have never ever felt like that was a joke a, a, or a joke at our expense no it was just like just what it is it's just like yeah but it's the fact that it's just 
Okay, so you know the Sandman is a completely like random sidestep. Mm -hmm. You know the Sandman. So I've read mm -hmm. graphic novels back in like the nineties, um, and there was like in it there were gay characters and trans characters. It's back in nineties, and it wasn't like the fact that they were trans was central to their plot. It was just like an aside. It yeah, they were just there. They were just there, and for Rick and Morty, their autism is just like it's not about the fact they're autistic. The plot is laser cannons and Rick's past. Not the autism isn't the defining aspect of them. It's just mm -hmm. a thing, and it's such a small thing. That's also a big thing, but it's just like it's accepted, like the whole portal guns and, and the science fiction and whatever. Exactly, and um, uh, uh, again, leading back to Eleanor Oliphant, mm. the 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 idea that Rick is an alcoholic and yes. self medicates from the because it's it's always this idea that the world is and all of the worlds he experiences as much as he loves the adventures and as much as he loves being it's it's traumatic for him it's yeah. this idea that that he can't quite he goes to all of these worlds and he does these things and he goes to all of these universes but he can't cope with the world that we are in yeah and he, and he um, the same but at the same time he wants to leave it but he still wants it there mm -hmm. you know at a distance at a distance you know he's, he's in a garage and everything else, you know, it's just that, and you know, he keeps escaping to other places, but he's come back, you know. Yeah, and, and... I, I do love that show. Yeah, it um, I, I don't, I don't always feel like everyone is engaging with it the way that I'm sometimes engaging with it, um, and that doesn't mean you know, like, oh, I'm better, or I'm getting on a different level, um, it's just that the. Like you know, with the the McDonald's sauce and everything, yes. I'm I just I don't care. I'm yeah, I just don't care about stuff like that. I'm not bothered. The whole like, um, it's very similar to how um, like the merchandise that's come around it is is very much similar to how South Park, um, had that burst years and years ago, um, but it the show itself is so clever. Yeah. And it get it, the science. Is, I mean, obviously, the science is it's complete fictionalized. It's, there's nothing in there. But within the world that they're in, it it's realized. It it's not real. But this does this, and this does this, and this is why it does it. And you just deal with that. And now we go on. Mm. And I love that because it trusts it trusts the audience. But it also engages with some really major um, philosophical debates. Hugely. Uh, like free will, but also who is who is you, you know? Um, especially because actually Rick, Rick has been spoilers. Rick gets, Rick's been killed loads of times. Oh. Alternative Rick's Rick C one three seven's been killed loads of times, and he's transfers his consciousness. And is it the same yep. Rick? And it's just like oh, is it the same Rick? Who knows? But um, even Rick debates that. Yeah. And and is totally comfortable with the idea that he's he's not, and it doesn't matter. And I think that's, I think those, those sorts, excuse me, those sorts of debates are of exactly what I engage with. It's what I want. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think about that. Other... So inside, so in, you've, read, you've watched Inside Job? No, I haven't. So Inside Job is like, um, it's a secret, secret company that secretly rules, runs the world for the secret masters of the world. Mm -hmm. 
the company is called Cognito Inc. Like incognito, but anyway. Right, this is ringing a bell, and I think I have watched one, maybe one episode, but then haven't. Uh, is that right? Um, maybe. Don't know. I mean, I, don't, I, mean, I, I said to you. I might. I might. Have, uh, there's a reason why it's ringing a bell, but I'm not entirely sure what it is. It may, it may be me going and watch this. <laughs> So the main character, the woman in it, is like referred to as being um, uh, having Asperger's. Um, mm-hmm. Her dad as well is very similar. Um, but again, it's never a, a, the defining aspect of her. Her main thing is she wants to do her job really well, and she wants to like run the company really well. It's just that she's incredibly monofocused, and people don't think like her, which is you know, mm-hmm. uh, and then she has kind of like this. A series of events. Basically, it's just like a series of chaotic things happen, but it's really enjoyable. It's somewhere between like Rick and Morty in terms of like you know, it's quite graphic, a lot of death and destruction, but it's got a slight more gentle bits like um, Dead Envia. So mm-hmm. I do recommend it. Yeah, I, I will engage. Hmm. Um, I'm thinking about. Any others that I was thinking about in for this, I had a, a range of characters and ideas that are... we could talk about Sherlock Holmes. Oh, yes, because, like, you know, I mean, even like, um, oh my god, I've completely forgotten his name, Benedict Cumberpatch. I was going, don't call him Doctor Strange, but Benedict Cumberpatch in the, in the modern, the modern version, um, he is very much, um, presented as autistic in many ways, yes, which is actually, when you read the original books. Like, oh, hang on a second. Yeah, the coding of, of yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch's version is very, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite explicit. Yeah. Um, and again, addiction <laughs> and self medication and desire to control, yes, and also to find out is to be curious. And then, like, knowing loads of really random things, and then, like, being like, well, I don't know this thing that's nothing to do with what I care about mm-hmm. yes yeah. um, and and that is something that that I tend to do a lot where I'll, I'll start speaking about something and, and then mid-sentence go why have I got this information what is the relevance to it why why is why is my brain decided to pick this what yeah. and the the idea of um especially in the tv show that the idea of um the like mind palace mm. which is something that's been it's been yeah one, i started making one back in my teens because i read a book mm-hmm. about it um and it's like it's there and it's, yeah it's this it's this idea that like it's been mocked so much online as, as like a oh yeah okay um but uh, and whenever whenever you read bits of it and things like this and you look at the character in, in relation to it, it makes perfect sense that he would do that. That's that's reasonable. It's a, it's a strategy. Um, and the use of it, the the way that he will take himself off and have that moment of processing, like mm. active processing. And like, that's... and the representation on the screen as well, of his eyes kind of going and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... You know the way that the various um, the way that the various ideas like come to him, mm. like I know that there's there's a lot of um, there's an awful lot of autism um, traits that 
overlap with ADHD traits. Mm. And that the the way that when he when he's thinking things through and they link and there's a there's a pattern in the way that it goes and it, it appears to be happening instantaneously, that's very much like an ADHD thought process. Mm. In the sense that and especially when he when they don't show it. So when he'll just be like, Oh yes, this yeah. and then Watson's left going what? but but how what and if somebody i would love to meet a person with adhd that has not had that experience where you've said something and other people have gone what what where did you get that from and then you go through the process which is 50 other steps yeah and when you explain the process it actually does make sense but for you it's linear it's straight away yeah it's that kind of yeah which it's almost like it's it's again talk about decision tree normal people got to do that decision tree to get there whereas mm -hmm. for you it's just it's that the seat that that where they've got lots of branches for you it's just one branch Boom. yeah because it's, it's so well worn mm -hmm. and if you did go through it you can you can slow it down and you can work through it step by step but you don't have to so you don't and then you wonder why people are so confused yeah because it's obvious like clearly obviously you know two two plus two is four um mm -hmm. um we could about doctor who i do see doctor who as a representation of a more of a more recent version of him particularly matt smith's one matt think, smith matt smith definitely mm -hmm. representation definitely presented as kind of like autistic in many ways but i was on purpose or not or just me me being like wanting to read things into things but, um interestingly is that I so there are I don't know whether this comes as a surprise to anyone there are a lot of autistic Doctor Who fans I know <laughs> who would have thought yeah. um and also again you know that there are a lot of uh, a lot of the obviously again monolith so I have to keep saying this but there are a lot of of autistic LGBT people also. Yes. We find it intolerable, largely, to not be ourselves yeah. and whatever authentic truth that is. Um and so maybe we're overrepresented in that sense because of that. Um but there's a lot of uh, a lot of the stories in Doctor Who and obviously latter day because especially the um russell t davies storylines there are a lot of storylines and there are a lot of characterizations lots of things like that where you go oh this is definitely to do with this this is to do with this this is to do with this and it's it's lovely mm. i love that show even when it's off the boil i again love that show and matt smith is coded absolutely coded it's um his speech patterns yes um the inflection um that, that he uses the uh the 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 way i mean obviously the character always makes these giant leaps and there's the, the idea is that he's the cleverest person in any room mm. but it's not that it's the fact that he he gets there in a different way yeah um the childlike enthusiasm for the things that he's interested in, the 
not explaining anything because it seems obvious. Um, there was the one he was sitting, he was visited Rory and Amy, and like, mm -hmm. there for like five minutes, and he just couldn't sit still and had like Hoover Harris and play football and do all these things. Yes, like, oh, that's me. I was, I really mm -hmm. was like, oh, that's me. Yeah, I do that. You see, um, it was the it, with the visit for me, it was the fact it was so short. Um, like I want to see you, but also I can't be anywhere near you, so bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um food. Yeah. Uh, uh fish fingers and custard. Custard. The, the the odd taste. The um uh um I mean obviously the they're costumed and you know there is the standard costume of this is what the doctor wears. Yeah. Um but for a lot of the other characters there the were there were uh, deviations. Whereas with Matt Smith it was very much nope. This is this is what he wears. This is what he's doing. This is it. Right. His movements, like you say, obviously, he's an alien, <laughs> so so you couldn't do that. But it's it's coded, and it's I don't know whether, and that was I thought that was really positive, because again there was bits of there was bits of Matt Smith where I was just like, oh, that is me. Yeah, I thought he was. He was my favorite. I mean, he's definitely my favorite Doctor of the modern era. I mean, David Tennant obviously is amazing. Oh. I, but I just found Matt Smith was more relatable for me. Uh, he's my favourite Doctor of the modern era as well. And I loved Christopher Eccleston and I loved David Tennant. Obviously, he's amazing. But again, it was Matt Smith. I just kind of went, oh, I just, yeah. 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 Um, so, Matt, just Doctor Who, definitely. Um, mm. So, it's got a big bang. I mean, do we need to discuss Terry Pratchett? Because so many of his characters come across as coded autistic. Um, now, I'm a little bit out of my depth here because um, I have read a lot of them, but a lot of the ones that I've read have been a long time ago. So you would have to lead on that, and that's fine. And if I know anything, I can chip in. That's fine. I mean, definitely Granny Weatherwax. I would agree. Because she's a whole kind of like just the whole kind of separating herself out from the world. I, I think that also links into my theory that um, a lot of the the ideas of I think if we went back in time, if we um if we had a, a time machine and we went back in time, I would say that a lot of the women that were accused of witchcraft and yes. things like that would probably be autistic. Um, it's that kind of intolerance of being able to live within situations that are intolerable intolerable yeah. Yeah. um and separating yourself the fairness i mean if you even if you go down to the salem witch trials if you look at that the idea that um a, a lot of people it was a case of that was a argumentative opinionated woman that felt that that was unfair yeah uh, and it's like yeah okay um yeah. So yeah, with the with the granny weather wax, I'd absolutely see it because she's coded as a that that kind of vibe. The the thing of no. But then, have you read the Tiffany to Tiffany Aiken books? Yes, I love those. Oh, they're so good. They are so good. Yeah. I, mean, I I don't really have emotional responses to many things, but that last book he wrote, I was like, oh, I felt sad. You know. Mm, um. 
I think that's why I have kind of like I've, I've tried a couple of times to go back um but and that's it's not because they're that in much the same way as when you said about salmon earlier in much the same way as um as things are just there and they are and that's just how they are as an adult and then as an autistic adult looking back when I go back to things I see things and I'm just like oh, and Terry Pratchett was a gift yes I think it was. I do think Definitely. Was one, yeah I do think he was one of us um yeah I suspect so um he, he was definitely eccentric mm. <laughs> you know about, yeah but and just look at the camera granny where they wax but Tiffany Aiken herself and the whole idea of like uh having first sight and second thoughts mm -hmm. that that is explicitly a trait it's yeah. a it's a mm -hmm. Yeah, but just seeing what's there and being like, why can anyone else see this? You know, and and being like completely perplexed or frustrated. It's almost like um, being in a skit where you'll see something happening and you look around, but it, and obviously it goes the other way where you see something happening or you you're doing something and everyone else is just like, no, because of this, and you're going, oh really? Oh, well, I didn't realize that. Yeah. But but when it's switched on to you, it seems completely obvious. Yes. Having said that, this is a, com a completely massive random leap. I just done again talk about massive random leaps. Um, Cassandra in Greek myth. Um, do you know who she was? Yeah, I'm going to need it. I mean, yes, but well, I'm going to need it explained further. Believe. Okay, so she was um, daughter of King Priam of Troy. Uh, mm -hmm. She was cursed by the god Apollo because he's dead. Yes. Um, right, I'm there. I've got it. Yep. To basically be able to see the future perfectly. But no one will believe you. Yeah. That's the problem. Like, and she was the one going, that horse is clearly a trap. And everyone was like, not a la, of course not. Um, yeah. It's clearly, yeah. Yeah. And, and having been for like my career at certain points in other establishments, very much Cassandra going, here is a problem. We need to fix this problem. And everyone else being like, no, of course not. And then being like, oh, yes, I was right. Here we go. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, this is another thing where. Um, and just for the record I believe that self-ID is valid mm. but that sometimes people can start to worry about it. I fully believe that basically if you think you're autistic you're probably autistic um, but then it's sometimes the, the areas can be muddied because autistic people suffer a lot from anxiety mm. and sometimes people who suffer from anxiety are suffering from anxiety and are not autistic but then there's because of the overlap of symptoms yeah there's the yeah me too kind of thing and I think a lot of the time um it's that sense that people will interpret when we are right about these things they'll interpret it as well you're anxious so you've like made a, um, a range of decisions or what ifs for a range of anxiety induced ideas and one of them has come true and you've already had a plan whereas for me that's not how i experience it it's that i've seen a pattern this is what's happened before this is what's happening now this is how it will end and this is a problem yes and it's seen a whole pattern and then being able to like and 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 knowing that pattern really well 
but being able to like communicate that pattern to other people mm-hmm. yeah like um i don't know i don't know how you experienced the pandemic but for me the pandemic was the, the first lot of lockdowns and things like that it was remarkably calm yeah it was really peaceful i was just like every day going walk with my kids yeah but even even just the entire process of it which obviously you know the whole uh do this and now do this and now do this and now this rule and then this rule i was really calm because i can't think of apart from the last lot where i was just like i'm not sure we might go into lockdown we might not i would suggest we're probably not going to and you know i was like a bit on the fence but every single other one i was just like we're going to go into lockdown and everyone's like no we're not and i was just like we are and it'll be for a few months and so in my head i was straight away going i need to do this this and this and this is what i'm doing and basically rolled out what was effectively a zombie apocalypse plan yes i do the same thing i was like by i was bulk buying way ahead of everyone else I was like, yeah me too my part was i come back from my part was like why did you buy some toilet rod and somebody paracetamol i was like i just I just gonna need it yeah, yeah. I, I just yeah it was things like um tinned foods and stuff like that and pastas mm. and stuff i went we're going to need it and um uht milk and stuff like that and my partner do you know what i both bought way in advance um hand sanitizer that's that's a, that's that's autistic yeah i i think it was february maybe january i bought a ton of hand sanitizer and then bought a few masks as well um basically because i went well it's either airborne or it's something that you can pick up like a cold so best do these things because we're probably going to need them at some point yeah and put them away and we did need them um at the moment there is a cost of living crisis i've both bought candles oh good shout oh i should put mm-hmm. that yeah, I've both bought candles um, and torches um, because I'm very much a case of, well, if it doesn't happen, that's fine. But in reality, we may have blackouts. Mm. And it's it's that kind of, it's, it's, the, it's not anxiety and it's not the world is ending or, you know, the sky is falling in. It's just very pragmatic. This is probably going to happen so do this yes and i mean for me it's always because i've watched loads of zombie apocalypse movies but i'm really good at this i bought my house based on the fact it would be excellent in a zombie apocalypse oh you know that was at the back of my mind as well mm-hmm. in fact my last this house and the previous house have been based around if society crumbles yes we'll be in a good situation and a hundred percent yep totally even down to the fact that I am not on the I'm not on mains gas. Um, <gasps> Neither am I. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm uh, I've got electricity and I've got an oil tank. Which, yeah, I've got LPG yeah. gas bottles. Yep, yeah, I managed to fill up I managed to fill up my my oil tank before the price hikes as well. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is this is autism. Yep, this is it. This is it. Superpower. Ah. Um, we... I, I would really, be, I know we're going to be finishing, but on that note, I would really suggest looking at the feed of um, the comedian, um, Bethany Black, Thank who, um, she is a trans comedian. She has been in Doctor Who and um, she's on TV a lot and she's very funny, very, very funny. 
also um, autistic and put a lot of boundaries in place on her experience online um, and her interaction with people, which is excellent. It's like a, a really good way of watching how to do it um, and how to advocate that, for that, yourself. That yeah, and she's wonderful. And her experience of explaining things to people is exactly my experience of just basically me explaining things and not being listened to. And her understanding of and hyper focus on um uh on like financial situations mm. so like um recessions and inflation is almost identical to my understanding of it because of the way that she's approached it and it's very much like watching a car crash in slow motion because you do watch things and go but this is entirely predictable yeah i mean i've been reading about the whole kind of like the why there's been a price hike in gas and everything else and then mm -hmm. energy generally and it's so many interconnected things but totally predictable mm -hmm. and if only we hadn't have shut down our main gas storage depot like back in 2012 wherever it was or mm -hmm. 2013 it's just like oh all these things we've done if only Noel Edmonds hadn't been so stressed out about wind farms yes if only, you know, I don't know why we didn't build, you know, we're in Ireland, build tidal power generators. It's like a no-brainer. Why have mm -hmm. we not done this? Because oh. our tidal situation is right on top of a bunch of oil. So who cares? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. In, in many ways, it's a good thing because we can build it mm -hmm. and then, like, forget about the oil. <sighs> anyway, it would be better if, we, if autistics were in charge. Um, we should, yeah, just go we for should, it. Just, just have a revolution. Yeah, a revolution. So on that note, we well you were meant to be sick and we were meant we were meant to do a full show. Mm -hmm. We've managed to do a full show. It's we have, as ever, wonderful. Having mentioned some of the books I wanted to mention, including uh, Blind Sight by Peter Watts, amazing mm -hmm. one. Murderbot, Martha. Oh, Wally. Murderbot's great. Oh, Murderbot's the best autistic voice ever. That is definitely an autistic and written by an autistic writer. Is she autistic? Mm-hmm. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, I, I read it in, um, I, I went down a rabbit hole and started looking at a, a lot of interviews and it was mentioned once in one interview. I think she, I think she is. I think that's yeah. what I said. Oh, I'll, I'll check it out now. But yeah, amazing. The, the voice of Murderbot is just so autistic. Mm. Um, read it, everyone. Derek Kunkston's uh, Quantum Magician books. Again, yes. um, you read those? Um, no, I haven't, but I've, I've heard about them. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're very autistic um and then friendly from best served cold by joe abercrombie who is an autistic overtly autistic uh, character in a kind of fantasy novel which i think are probably a first actually and we haven't touched on the fact that um the curious dog the whatever it is in the nighttime oh god is... i hate the book. i hate it <laughs> yeah, that's the worst i mean everyone's like it's so autistic no it's not no no it's not it's not and you should never ever teach it because if yes. you do, you are implicitly telling your your students that are autistic, you are telling them that they are not able to be loved. Yes. Um, I remember reading that book and everyone was like, oh, this book's all about, it's all about autism. I read it and I was like, this book doesn't seem like autism at all. It's really oh. just, oh, just, oh, yes. So, it's Rain Man, the book. Oh, God. I want to discuss Rain Man, but I never got to Rain Man either. So all these things we could have discussed. So mm -hmm. if you've listened and enjoyed it, Go off and read these things. Um, I'm going to press that that button to make the music start, and then I will catch you at some point in the future. G, it has been wonderful as ever. 
you yep. are so easy to talk to about. And you. Oh, thank you. It's, it's yeah. just easy, isn't it? It is easy. It is easy. Mm-hmm. Right. Hopefully your headache gets better. And hopefully oh, it's, it's going to. I've, I've sat the whole time before I go. I'm sorry. I've sat the whole time with my eyes shut, so it's fine. <laughs> good shout. Good shout. I'm going to go and check on uh, door number two and the sluggy situation now. Excellent. I hope it works well. Thanks. Take care. You too. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.